Well, the Cowboys won. The Longhorns didn't. And I'm not too certain about the Aggies. Rocky's going to give our special guest some some slack or flack or whatever you want to call it when it comes to the Aggies. This is Monday night. It's Sweep the League. It's Rudy. It's The Rock. Now, Candice Garcia doesn't have mommy duty. She has family duty tonight. So she's bouncing out tonight. Stats, who brings us sweeper keep every single week. He's actually out tonight. Shamai should be joining us in a little bit. Derek Gervin, the D Gervin Big Mo Show is coming up on Facebook. He's going to be on that show. So he'll be joining us next week or actually the following week. But this is Sweep the League. And you know what? I'm not even going to waste time because we are honored to have a very, very special guest tonight. It is the one is the only Richard Oliver, you everybody knows Richard Oliver in San Antonio. I mean, he's covered everything from the NBA Finals, Pro Bowls, Super Bowls, and he's got to put up with one of my good friends, Hector Ledesma, week in and week out. Richard, it's an honor to have you on Sweep the League. Welcome to the big show. Yeah, hey, listen, when you told me, hey, look, Hector won't be on the show, we will talk about him, we'll abuse him, I said, I'm there. Just tell me when and where. <laughs> so, we will we will try to keep it, it a we'll we'll try to keep it nice on Hector because actually we we've got Hector coming on in a couple of weeks. So um whatever shots you fire. Nicest, and he is the nicest human being on the planet, which really he, makes it difficult. He definitely is. But you know what? Whatever shots you fire, we'll have him shoot the shots back. We'll fire back at you. So <laughs> we'll have a little war here, a little sports tonight war here. But Richard, again, you know, thanks for joining us here on Sweep the League. Uh, just want to want to give us a little bit of background. I know right now you're the the director of partner and community relations for Visit San Antonio. Um, like I said, you were able to cover a lot of events. Something that little guys in you know doing the podcast thing and the media thing, like myself and Rock, are dreaming to cover. But give us a little bit of background yourself, so everybody out there in Sweep the League world knows about you. Absolutely. And, and actually, I left Visit San Antonio a few months ago. I'm now the uh, communications director for the Alamo Dome, the convention center. OK, uh, I went back to the city of San Antonio. It kind of believe me, it was a quiet little slide into a really cool job that the city had open. Um, but, yeah, I've been I've been really blessed. I, I've, I've had a, a wonderful career. I'm a South Texas kid. I grew up in Corpus Christi. I uh, was the sports editor down there for a long time, went to New York for several years and covered pro football. I uh, was lucky enough to cover the New York Jets when Bill Parcells was the head coach. So that made it a lot uh, easier to stomach with the Jets franchise. Um, and then I uh, got back here and I was at the uh, Express News for a good 13, 14 years. And then during the, uh, a, a good 12 year stretch of, of really excellent basketball, I was part of the Spurs broadcast team in the pregame and postgame shows, along with my buddy Andrew Monaco. Uh, when Andrew left uh, to head to become the voice of the Texas Aggies, uh, I left shortly after uh, just because I uh, changed jobs and then had a eight to five and, and those late nights were kind of getting to me. But uh, and now I, I just have the real, uh, real honor. We talked about Hector Ledesma. I do a couple of shows. I do one with Hector every week called Sports Weekly with Don Harris and Chuck McAtenick and I and then and Hector uh, hosts that show. It runs on Saturdays on KCWX and then on Sunday nights. Um, I do a WAI Sports Nation overtime with Don and David Chancellor. So it's a it's a wonderful uh, kind of a balance of uh, kind of my, my day job that I go out and uh, get to be the communications director for two really great facilities. You, you guys know what's happening in the Alamo Dome lately. It's 
probably having its at 30 at almost 30 years old is having its best uh stretch ever and i mean ever uh and then uh, they uh and then of course the convention centers uh, were fighting back from from the pandemic and everything else but uh but anyway that's kind of the that's the quick uh, version of, of all the things I've uh, been able to do. And, and, and all I can tell you is I'm blessed to talk a lot of sports and I just love it. And I think San Antonio is about to explode as a sports Mecca, a sports destination. Uh, and I look forward to being a part of it. It's going to be huge. It's going to be real huge, especially like you mentioned with the Alamo dome. I mean, we're talking XFL coming Heinz Ward head coach. I mean, they're about to take over San Antonio as well. As far as the XFL goes, uh, being that you're a part of the Alamo dome city of San Antonio, how like how much buzz has that been generating for the city of San Antonio? Well, I think so far, just on the early season ticket sales and folks who are securing seats for next spring, San Antonio's leading the league already, which shouldn't surprise anybody at all. I mean, the commanders, obviously, folks showed that we want to be have a team here in San Antonio and we want to follow that team. Um, I think anybody that goes to a UTSA football game these days, uh, like Saturday, uh, and sees just the magical things happening there. Um, anybody who went to Commander's Games when they were here, you just know that a crowd in San Antonio, uh, they love their football, and uh, folks are just religious about it. Uh, they embrace it. Uh, they they just uh, are, want to be a part of the action, and, and I think the XFL is going to be a lot like that. And I don't mean uh, with, with The Rock being a part of it and all those different kind of dynamics, which are kind of cool, but – Listen, all that stuff is just all a uh, buzz around it once the season starts and once they kick off and Heinz Ward and uh, and his staff and then put together a team. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch how this city embraces a league that I think has got staying power. And believe me, that's saying something these days. We all know that. We've been through it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've hosted a lot of teams and franchises over the years, but this one's got some uh, got some money behind it, got some names behind it, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch that evolve. Yeah, let, let's clarify something here. We're, we're talking about the rock, not not the real rock, Rocky Garza, but we're talking about <laughs> the, that chump rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, you know, that little chump over there. Well, wait a minute. I didn't know that. Dad gummit. I've been uh, pitching. Yeah, the I, I've, Rich, you, you got to understand. I've been getting text messages about people saying, can you hook me up with tickets? Because I hear the rock is in charge of the XFL. <laughs> I'm like, it's a different rock. It's. Not the cool rock. It's that other rock guy that's a actor. <laughs> the <other> rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for XFL coming. I was lucky enough to early in my uh my little media career, one of the things I was able to cover was the San Antonio Commanders. And just seeing that evolve, like the the crowd there was awesome. They put on, you know, they put on a fantastic, and I'm not gonna say show, but a fantastic, you know they were fantastic for the city of San Antonio. I mean, they really came in. They really took the city by storm. It was sad that what happened with the commanders, you know, understanding the the league was in trouble, you know, from the get-go from what I'm understanding, but hoping with the XFL has so much backing, you know, and it does have the money. It has the, it has the star power behind it as well. Being former NFL players, of course, the rock, you know, his celebrity status, I kind of agree. This is going to be a league in its own, and it's going to actually be very, very good for the city of San Antonio. We are talking to Richard Oliver. It's the Rockets, Rudy Compost. This is Sweep the League. Comes to you every single Monday night. Don't forget, guys, Baller Boys podcast drops every single Tuesday night. Shemaya and Stats drop all the knowledge you need sports-wise. 
D Gervin Big Mo. That's Derek Gervin and Paul McKeskey. Their show, the D Gervin Big Mo Show, every single Monday night on Facebook. Shamaya on the Beat Radio and I am Refocused Radio Rock. So I'm going to tell Richard a little bit here. You know, Rock was texting me like, you won't believe who I got. You won't believe who I got. And I said, who'd you get? Who'd you get? He says, I got Richard Oliver. And I'm looking at my phone like, okay, you you probably misspelled something. It's, you're not talking about Richard Oliver, right? Like, you got a former writer. You covered everything. No, no. I know Richard Oliver. I got Richard Oliver. All right, Rock. All right. Oh, we're good. I'm glad we're, we're moving up in the world. We're, we're moving way up in the world here. And he works cheap. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, I got to I've we've got some sponsors, so I've got to get Richard, you know, some Burger Boy gear or something for coming on because hey, nobody told me I was getting that. that well, we we like taking care of our guests here. We like taking care of our guests. <laughs> Everyone not named Hector Ledesma. We love taking care <laughs> of our guests here. But Rock, um, you got something for Rich because I know we had talked about it. You said you said something you wanted to ask richard yeah you know before i you know dog on him about his aggies um I, I just wanted to kind of stay with the subject about um but you know you mentioned the the xfl coming and you had a good conversation on sunday night that i touched you about you know utsa football so what are some themes you know for the audience that missed that segment they all had that you are doing to get that same excitement to get fans to go to the UTSA games. You know, you had Jeff Taylor saying we need 30,000 people to come out to the Alamo Dome, but you see more people excited about the XFL. What are some things that you've seen or heard that y'all are trying to do to get more UTSA people or more fans to come to the UTSA games? Yeah, and that was part of the discussion was, uh, and I know there's been a lot of discussion about that discussion, but the idea was that UTSA football, I think it's the greatest show on turf in San Antonio. I mean, and that game Saturday, you guys saw it. Uh, okay. That that finish was just magical. And how many times over the last couple of years have we seen UTSA have those kind of finishes under Jeff Trailer? I mean, this is yeah, this is great football, and and it's it's electrifying, and it's all those different kind of things. And I think I think it's kind of captured the city, the folks who are there on site. Our point was, it's time it's time to get that message out. You know, I think uh, UTSA. God bless them. I mean, they don't have the uh, they don't have a University of Texas marketing team. They don't have a you know a Texas A and M kind of the the big boys of Division One football. They don't have that, and, and we understand that. But by the same token, um, Jeff Trailer, uh, you know, he of course he might be a little frustrated. I don't know for for a fact, but he wants those thirty thousand people there. He wants the Alamo Dome, which is of course it's a dome. The sound really resonates in there. Um, as, as University of Houston thinks, we pump in a bunch of sound, whatever. But it's a but it's a it's a great place for football in that regard. If you're if you're backing a certain team in the Alamo Dome, you can affect things on the field because it's so freaking noisy, and uh, and it just it echoes. The acoustics are great. So of course, Trailer wants a great loud UTSA crowd. And so that that was part of our discussion was the idea that, hey, UTSA, if they want to be a big time program, if they want to be a, a, a program of note, uh, it, you've got to you've got to market it. You've got to, and not, not so much. Hey, you've got to dish out money uh, for it, which that would be nice. But again, they don't have that 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 big time marketing budget like a lot of a lot of teams do. Uh, but you know, media, uh, get, do the, do what they ended up doing. $10 tickets, uh, get the, get the school kids there. They'll become UTSA fans five, 10 years down the road, you know, get, uh, get the military involved, all those different kind of things. I think they're doing that. I think they're doing the best they can, but, uh, I just, I just think UTSA is a better program than a lot of people are giving it credit to be. And I, and I, I think last Saturday, 
Those are the kind of moments, though, that'll drive it organically, uh, which I think will make a big difference, of course. No, exactly. Yeah, it is. And that's just something that, you know, I'm glad you pointed out because the crowd, you know, you've, you've got the crowds that come in for those big games. I mean, you've, you know, you saw, you saw them traveling really well when they played against Texas. You know, you've got, you know, the game against Houston. You've got some big games on the schedule, but then you've got the little games that you don't get the same crowd there for. And I know you said there's a lot of stuff going behind the scenes, trying to rack up, you know, the crowd, no, not noise, but try to get the crowds into the game. Right. If, this is something that kind of I see it on Twitter a lot because we we all like the Twitter wars and I just kind of sit back with my popcorn and look at everything that happens. <laughs> and it's almost a sense of you can't support UTSA football. Then what makes you think you can support XFL football or an NFL team if they ever relocated here? Can that measuring stick ever be sufficient? Like, if you can't support UTSA football, then we can't support this. I think that the program is fantastic. I love it. I've covered them for a little while, been to the games as a fan and as part of the media. But is that comparing literally, you know, apples and oranges? Because you've got a professional league and then you've got Division One, and it's so far apart that we really can't use that as a measuring stick, if I'm correct. Yeah, no, Rudy, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was going to say it's just not apples to apples because obviously, like, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Aggie. I mean, you know, uh, how many Longhorns do we have in town? Go down your checklist of, of folks who have graduated from universities over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, UTSA until, gosh, uh, my wife's been a professor at UTSA for a couple of decades now. I mean, she has seen the evolution of that school and what it's done and the growth and all the different kind of things happening. But it's no longer a commuter school. I mean, this is a, a substantial Division One school, a Tier 1 university. So, But that's kind of – we've kind of arrived at that. Uh, so th- there's a lot of difference, I think, between being an XFL, let's say a pro football fan, to your point, mm-hmm. and, and showing up to, to a San Antonio team, San Antonio – whatever uh, team uh, with the, 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 I don't know what they're going to have the cheerleaders on the sidelines and the, the fire and the smoke and confetti and whatever they're going to have, which you got to figure XFL is going to do all kinds of fireworks and things uh, that's different than UTSA. This is, this is college football. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to win over a fan base that has their favorites, that has their history. Um, it's a lot different. It's a lot different, but you know what? Boy, Dad Gum and I showed up Saturday and I was wearing a UTSA polo. I mean, I I I I I've drunk the Kool Aid and maybe it's because uh, <laughs> I'm sure Rocky's gonna as, as Rocky is gonna load in on me here in a second here. Maybe I didn't want to watch that AM game. You know, maybe that made <laughs> maybe I knew that there was something about to happen with that. But I, I just think that that's the kind of thing that uh, I think you make an excellent point. It's it's you're winning over a crowd. Uh, by trying to convince them little by little that there's some civic pride involved and obviously following it. And I'll tell you guys, because I covered it when it first started, when they were playing Little Sisters of the Poor in Minnesota and, you know, anybody that could get into the Alamo Dome to play, when Lynn Hickey just had this dream, just pounded away on the rock trying to get trying to get that uh, that Division One program started with the idea that it's important that athletics is the window to a university – uh, and to to build UTSA into the kind of university they want it to be, they needed football in her mind. It's a tough slog to do that. I mean, it's financially, as you guys know, it is an absolute 
hardship for universities to build those programs up and to get the fundraising, fundraising and everything going um, and to win over a local populace. And I think that that's where we're, we're finding ourselves right now. We're in a crossroads and uh, I think it's a positive crossroads. And, and here's why, because over the last couple of years, Jeff Trailer has built a winner. He's built a culture. He's built something uh, that kind of played out in the last minute and a half on Saturday in another magical moment that everybody was talking about. It was a water cooler moment. And, it, you know, and I think everybody, every, I, it wasn't my job. Uh, people were talking about that finish to that game and you want to be a part of that. And so that's how it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be, Hey, that's our San Antonio division one football team. We were the largest market in the country for years without a division one football team. We're not saying that anymore. And now we're saying we have a division one football team. That's actually pretty damn good. You know, so uh, all those things add up, but it is kind of a different feel when you're pitching division one football, college football and the XFL, which is going to be a, you know, it's going to be Barnum and Bailey circus uh, week after week uh, in the best possible way, you know, but that's the way it's going to be, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, Rudy, you know, to piggyback off Richard, uh, if you didn't know, uh, UTSA is in really good standings for the, to be a group of five that could make one of those big bowls if they went out. I mean, you have Cincinnati, Tulane, and I forgot what other school. I remember seeing it on Twitter, but these schools are probably going to lose. And if UTSA wins out, you know, they probably got one more tough game on the schedule. We could be talking about them in a, in a New Year's Six Bowl relatively. You know how big that would be for UTSA itself? I mean, there was a lot of people last year that, they, that thought UTSA got robbed, but that hype that Richard keeps mentioning that would bring the city is knowing they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl win or lose, you're still getting that, you know, that popularity in there. And, all San Antonio schools, we should all support them. But like, like we said, this is a D1 school. They're going to the AAC, and they're going to be even bigger. So all San Antonio needs to support them if they want to keep uh, you know, moving on. I, I think if Rock was to go in the short shorts that he normally wears, that would draw <laughs> a lot of people into that into the Alamo Dome. Would, I'm thinking 35,000, 40,000 easily. It would be a viral video. Oh, it would. I, you know, Richard, if you could just imagine the stuff that we have in our group chat for Sweep the League, um, we could definitely help UTSA <laughs> get the crowd in there. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of actually getting Rock to maybe do it. But I mean, we, we've even had him talking about coming down from the rafters and those short shorts <laughs> he's got. Maybe, maybe Rudy, you should say Rock will not wear these shorts if you come to the game. <laughs> that might that might be fifty thousand right there. So <laughs> we could get a lot more people. We are talking to uh, Richard Oliver. This is sweep the league, and you know we, we talk UXFL. We talk UTSA. Richard's done a whole lot, and I've I've got a broad question here before I get into the specifics because right now San Antonio is at a war on the basketball court. And it's a war that I want to talk to Richard about in just a little bit. But with everything that you've covered, I mean, you're talking massive events, you know, NBA finals, World Series, just everything, Super Bowls. Which one event just stood out in your mind and stands out in your mind to this day? Like you just look back like, wow, I was there. I covered it. That was that that's going to stay with me forever. You know, that's a great question. And, and, uh, and let's face it, I'm, I'm old. So I've, I've been around a few times. So, <laughs> uh, I've really been fortunate to cover uh, uh, Super Bowl, World Series, uh, Daytona 500, uh, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of different things over the years and as a lot of veteran sports writers have. So I'm not saying I'm uh, any, any more special than any of those guys, but I've just been around for a while. Uh, I love Super Bowls. I love it. I love the festivities of it, uh, all the peripheral stuff that happens in and around the game. Uh, I can remember being in San Diego and uh, this, this band comes out, four guys dressed kind of bizarrely. Uh, and all of a sudden it's Kiss playing the, you know, pregame. Uh, they're playing the pregame, not the, you know, the, the halftime show, but putting the pregame, holding my cell phone up, you know, to, to call on all my buddies, basically saying, I'm here and you're not and I'm listening <laughs> to the, the Kiss play. And uh, uh, the Masters, guys, I, I love golf. I'm, I'm, I'm awful. I'm not a good golfer. I, 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 my clubs are stuck in a corner somewhere because I'm so I'm so ticked at them. But uh, because obviously it's the clubs that are bad, not me. So they're <laughs> Uh, but they, uh, but yeah, I, I love covering the masters. I, I just thought that, that was one of those events that was just magical to me. Uh, every blade of grass. So, you know, so pristinely taken care of, um, gorgeous flowers and all that kind of stuff. And oh, the, the golf was pretty good too. Um, but, but, uh, but I will say the one thing Rudy that gave me, uh, that has really electrified me over the years was boxing. Uh, early on in my career, when I was in Corpus Christi back in, uh, gosh, the 80s, I'll say 80s and early 90s, uh, I was sports editor down there, but I covered boxing. And one of the things that was very interesting about that was nobody on the Caller Times, the newspaper down there, nobody on that staff back in the day, they wanted, nobody wanted to cover boxing. And I said, I was a young Turk, just graduated from school. I said, I'll cover it. I'll be glad to, you know, I don't know much about it and everything. I started covering it. And man, I tell you what, that sport, and, and I, I talk about it all the time to, to friends about if you're a writer or if you're a journalist, like you guys, even if you're in, in, in descriptive journalism, uh, where you guys are now when you're doing your podcast and talking about stuff, stuff and you want to put people in the front row, there's nothing like boxing. I mean, it has everything but sex. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't mean that to be flip and no tantalizing. I'm just saying, but you think about it, violence, blood. Uh, drama behind the scenes, guys who have these tremendous stories, you know, just boxers come from backgrounds where they are literally fighting to better their lives, literally. And it's, uh, it's just a sport that kind of invites that kind of description. And I ended up uh, all the, uh, when I was lucky enough to win a lot of writing awards, a lot of it happened by covering boxing, because you could, you just are writing these stories that are just so compelling and everything just on the face of it. Organically, they're just great stories. So the world championship fights that I had a chance to cover um, over the years, um, the Tyson fights, things like that, uh, Vegas, uh, uh, you know, uh, New York City, uh, the Felt Forum. Uh, those are the ones that I think really resonate with me. Uh, I've done a lot of other stuff, but this boxing was just such a uh, it's a sport that really kind of and, and it's weird right now because my life has evolved and changed like uh, like everybody does. I never I don't pay attention to boxing much now. I don't write about it. I don't have a chance to. Uh, the Spurs took up so much of my time for so many years, those kind of things. So I haven't had the chance to do a whole lot of boxing. I don't know much about what's happening there with boxing. But boy, I tell you, in the 80s and 90s in Corpus Christi, when they had seven nationally and, and world ranked boxers down there uh, during that stretch, I, I got into boxing at a time when when South Texas boxing was uh, Jesse James Leha was just starting up here. And, uh, and, and a lot of Quiroga, Robert Quiroga, all those different yeah. kind of guys. Um, that was the time for me that I really enjoyed. 
I'm sorry, that's kind of long-winded. Guys. No, you, this this show is uh, surrounded around you, sir. That's <laughs> we want to get as much. My kind of show, the best show I want. Oh you. yeah. Now, like I said, when we have Hector on later, it's going to be like five minutes. I'm like, bro, you, you talk too much, man. You got to settle down with that. I don't need all these answers. You you mentioned boxing, and it's kind of funny because we we love covering everything here. You know, we talk about NFL, we talk NBA, we talk just about everything, but. Our latest niche has actually been in local boxing. We've covered the last three big TMB events. We're going to cover the next one in December. So we're watching, and I've told these guys, and they know, you're watching the future of boxing come up through the ranks. And we've built some really great relationships, you know, to the point where we've, you know, talked to Jesse James Leha recently. Um, This next event, actually, the main event is Frank Gore, former San Francisco 49er, is going to be the main guy. So he's actually coming up in the boxing ranks as well. So these events are good. And I agree with you. We love covering them. We've been actually hitting really good marks on them. And boxing is for a while there, it kind of dipped down. It really did. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. I was a huge, you know, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez fan, Trinidad, uh, just guys like that from back in the day. And then it kind of dipped. And then now it's coming back up. So I agree with the boxing coverage. I love it to death. And Tyson in person. I, I want to share this with you is that Derek Gervin, who is brother of uh, George Gervin, former NBA net Derek Gervin, always tells me that when Tyson fought Holyfield, um, he was the only one in the Nets uh, locker room that was taking Evander Holyfield. Well, it so happened to be that Mike Tyson was at the game that night, walked into the locker room and heard that somebody took Holyfield over him and Derek was reluctant to raise his hand when I, Mike said, who took Evander over me? And he said, I did tell him I took him, but I'm not going to lie. I put the chair in front of me and I kind of stepped back like, don't, don't hit me, please. But that's the story that he's always told us before. But, man, it's seeing guys like Tyson and stuff, yeah. that, that's got to be huge. And, um, yeah, I mean, everything that you have covered, I, I, I would have never guessed boxing would have been – the number one thing. I mean, that's that's a surprise to me, to be honest. Oh, with you. Bit, hey, listen, I, I was lucky a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was named to the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame in the media category, which uh, was just I, I, I was just bamboozled by that when they called and, and told me I was so excited about that. And because of those times that I covered boxing at a time when it was so big. But but to your point, Rudy, you could imagine at the time I was covering boxing, it was it was Marvin Hagler against uh, Thomas Hearns, marvelous, marvelous Marvin Hagler against uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. It was uh, Corpus Christi was getting all these uh, Saturday afternoon fights back when the networks used to do it. The Olympians from 1984 were in here. Holyfield, Whitaker, uh, go down your check. Pernell, yeah, Pernell Whitaker, go down your checklist of guys who fought Meldrick Taylor. Yeah, uh, all came. They all came and fought in Corpus Christi, including Holyfield early in his uh, career. Tyrell Biggs, you know. So it was. A, it was a. It was a kind of a great time. To your point, uh, things swooned a little bit, obviously, when you got in the late 90s. And, and now there's different variations of boxing in the fight game that we all keep an eye on with the um, uh, what's going on with MMA and those kind of things. But that wasn't around back then. But you'd have pay-per-view. Everyone would crowd into Memorial Coliseum in Corpus Christi and pay their oh, you know yeah. 15 bucks or whatever it was to watch it on the big screen. Uh, so I feel like a dinosaur talking about that stuff <laughs> because you guys were... 
you know, twinkles in your parents' eyes at that point. But I, uh, but it was just uh, those were kind of fun. That, but that actually added to the electricity before you were seeing this fight where you had to work to see it, and which made it so much. Uh, uh, when you when you sat down, you felt like you're a part of something that a lot of people weren't being a part of, which wasn't true per se. But but boy, I tell you, boxing took me. It took me to Puerto Rico. It took me all over the country to Los Angeles to New York and. Uh, and it was so big in Corpus Christi, guys. You picture Corpus Christi, the Caller Times. It was not a big paper, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's Corpus Christi, Texas. There were a couple hundred thousand people down there. That paper was flying me around the world to cover boxing because it was just so important to to the population down there. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I was really blessed and lucky. And then there's no other way to describe it because I got in, I got in on the front end of a really uh, uh, explosion of sports back in those days of boxing. Yeah. I'm going to let my age go because I know Rock's probably got to leave here in a little bit, but he was probably another question or two, but I'm going to let my age go. I was getting, when I was getting into boxing, Richie, you probably remember this. This is going back because I, I have lost weight since, you know, for a few years and I've lost a lot of weight. But back when I was eating in my prime, as I like to call it, um, <laughs> you would go to Church's Chicken and get the cup, the large cup. It would have Hagler and Leonard, you know, or it was, um, you know, Nomas, Dudan and Leonard. I mean, it was on the cup. And I'm like, you just mentioned all these fighters. I'm like, man, I remember walking down the street over on Culebra and there's a church is right across from me. And I would always grab the large cups and we'd always used to have those cups, man. That's how old I am. Holy cow. Yeah. Good. I feel like I'm okay. Good. I feel like I'm talking to somebody who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. What do you got, Rock? Oh, no, you know, kind of just to stay in the same same area, you know, I want to know who was the one athlete that like you covered or saw in person your whole sports career where you're like, holy shit, that's them. Like, like it was like your first, I, I guess your first moment or you're just like, oh, my God, this is them. Okay, I've, I've got I've got the greatest story. And again, it's taught, again, sometimes in life, there's just things that happen that are just kismet. And rock. Let me tell you, I was sitting in Atlanta at the Super Bowl one year, uh, whenever that was. I guess it was uh, must have been 1999, 2000, somewhere right in there. And and there was a fight on that night, like uh, two nights before the Super Bowl itself. And we're already there doing advance work. I was working for a newspaper in New York, and uh, and so we're all sitting kind of in this media room. Uh, it's a large. It was a large room, kind of a, a conference room in the hotel. And uh, we were watching, and I believe it was like uh, going to be uh, Iran Barkley against, I don't know, somebody. And uh, um, so it was a big, it was the big title fight of the week. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden there's this commotion. There's like, God, there's like 50 of us in there. There's this commotion off to the side. And I look over there and there, there's, there usually, there's this, this old man, uh, African-American gentleman in a chair, like a, literally like a, a sofa, like a small sofa and there's like three or four guys carrying him into the into the room in this and he's sitting in this thing like kind of a little throne like sofa thing and it was muhammad ali and these guys carried him into the hotel and sat him right i mean right next to me almost set him on almost set the chair down on my hand you know it's right there and so the whole the whole night. So I watched this fight. I ran Barkley and, and whoever he was he was fighting next to Muhammad Ali and listened to him kind of whispering because then he was 
obviously kind of farther along in his, uh, this was 2000 or whatever. Uh, so that, uh, that was magical for me. But the other one is, uh, is, and, and, and I love Nolan Ryan. I just, uh, when I was a young cub reporter in at Texas A&M, uh, the Astros at the time and the, you know, 19, we're talking about the Astros and Phillies in the world series in 1980, it was the Phillies and Astros in that great national league championship series. Uh, and maybe one of the best playoff series of all time. And uh, Nolan Ryan was on the Astros. And so, uh, I was uh, just awestruck because it was Nolan Ryan even back then, back in 19, whatever, 1978, 79, 80. And he uh, he treated me so well as a young reporter, answered my questions, did all this kind of stuff that I, I always adored Nolan Ryan. I just worshiped that guy. I named my son Ryan and uh, my wife. I got to name my son and I, I didn't want him to be Richard Oliver the third because I'm Richard Jr. because Richard Al Richard the third's an insane king of England. So I, I always <laughs> said, I'm not going to do that to my son. So I named him Ryan. But anyway, uh, but since then, if you guys remember just a few years ago, Big League Weekend came to San Antonio mm -hmm. and they actually put Major League Baseball in the Alamo Dome. And I was those guys who were with Ryan Sanders baseball for some reason. Uh, they uh, they came to me and asked me to moderate the big league, uh, the, uh, they had a, like a dinner the night before the big league weekend games, they'd have a dinner and, uh, and it was Nolan Ryan with other players from his, from the past. And I got to know and meet and actually, I, I would dare say he knows my name, which, uh, which makes me very happy. But, uh, but I sat with Nolan Ryan and Gaylord Perry and Lou Brock. And then the one year it was, it was Nolan Ryan and, and uh, a guy named Pete Rose, who was a pretty good player in his day. He's okay. And, He's all right. Which, by the way, guys, if you ever want to YouTube something, Pete Rose, Nolan Ryan, uh, Big League Weekend, you've got to watch it on YouTube. Pete Rose had Nolan Ryan weeping crying so hard, uh, laughing at, at the things he was saying, um, a lot of it improper, but it was, it was just so much fun. I might as well have been a potted plant on the stage because I asked like two questions and then they just went after it with each other. It was a lot of fun, but, but those were, but that was, and again, I'm being long winded because you're no, because I'm talking about me, but, uh, but uh, I, Nolan Ryan to me is just a, is just a class act, a great guy. And, and I've always just felt so blessed that my path uh, intersected with his in some way, because it just, uh, he meant that much to me as a, as a young man. The Ryan yeah. Express, man. I'd, could you hit a fastball off of him? Oh God. No. In fact, you know, back then <laughs> when I was in college at A&M, you guys will appreciate this. They let the, you know, we were student reporters for the student newspaper. Well, the guy, Rob Matwick, who's now with the Rangers, but Rob Matwick was the media guy with the Astros back then. He let us sit. You could bring a, a, a Polaroid camera and, and just say, I'm taking pictures for the student newspaper. And he said, okay. He would sit you in the photo bay at, at the Astrodome in the photo bay, which was right next to the, to the dugout. And uh, and we, I sat down in the photo bay for game after game, especially with Nolan Ryan pitching. Uh, and let me tell you guys, he would. Uh, it's it's legendary, of course, how he would grunt and you know, kind of just kind of do some kind of a guttural growl when he threw a fastball. Mm -hmm. And when he didn't get the pitch, when he didn't get the call from the umpire, he would just shit, you know, uh, I won't finish it. But he would he would just. <laughs> he would just uh, let the umpire know. And he was just a big old country guy who could, and, and had thighs as big as tree trunks and learned early on that pitching was all about the legs. 
And uh, this is a guy who, until the very last month of his professional pitching career, 27 years, never was on the disabled list, not once. And uh, and that, but yeah, you got to watch him from the field. Can you imagine uh, down there yeah. listening to that ball hit that mitt? Ouch. Uh, that was. Hey, Rudy, that, that means, you know, he, the legs are big tree trunks. That means I can be a pitcher, man. I have big legs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my calling, Rudy. Hey, you, you have you have T-Rex arms. You got to have longer arms. Hey, I got the velocity with my legs, Rudy. It's all right. <laughs> all about the legs, man. Well, it's about the legs, but you got to have some kind of arm length as well to get that hey, ball across the plate. Hey, Jose Altuve is 5'6". He's on the Rangers on Astros. If I get built... You know, I can make the Astros possible. You never know. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, staying with the Astros, you know, Astros Phillies, man. I mean, how confident are you feeling in the Astros, and what's your prediction? I, you know, I'm feeling confident, and I, and I, and, you know, I felt confident last year, and the Braves were a team that was kind of uh, just, just on fire at the right time, and the. But the Phillies are a wild card team. They they've kind of they've kind of expended a lot of magic to get to where they are. I, I think everyone recognizes what Bryce Harper's all about, and uh, you know Kyle Schwarber and all that stuff. They've got some great, you know, they've got Thor on the mound with Noah Syndergaard, and uh, so they've got. Uh, I mean, they they've got their weaponry, but you know, guys, there's something about the Astros. There's a lot of things at work right now. And I've been in that locker room, and you guys probably have too, and, and been around those guys. They. They just have a quiet confidence to them. And, and somebody told me, oh, Philadelphia, that crowd's going to be nuts. And it is. Philadelphia is a, a special place when it comes to their fans. Mm-hmm. But uh, but what have the Astros not heard or, or endured over the last three years uh, since mm-hmm. the, the cheating scandal was, was uh, uh, you know, was exposed? Uh, I don't think they're going to be intimidated. They've never been intimidated this whole second half of the season in, into the playoffs. I think I don't think there's a team with better defense than those guys. I don't think there's a team, and there's certainly not a team with better pitching. Mm-hmm. And I'll take that pitching all day long. And so, oh yeah, I, I got Astros winning that thing in five. I could be wrong, but consider all that it would mean. Obviously, validating winning a championship after 2017, shutting everybody up from the the trash can thing. <laughs> that, that would do that, and also Dusty Baker. They really want to win it for Baker. It came up, yeah. all the affection for him up on the stage after the game. They're chanting his name, all that kind of stuff. They, everyone understands what's at stake. Justin Verlander's on a, he's on a money push. Uh, you know, he, he pitched so well against the Yankees. I think it'll be important to him to, to show something. Every pitch he, every, every strike he throws is another dollar in the bank for him or, or, $50,000 in the bank, <laughs> uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just, I don't know about you guys. I just can't imagine in my heart of hearts, Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker and uh, those guys still still slumping through through a World Series. I'll be really surprised if we don't see Altuve become a factor again offensively. Uh, and, and Kyle Tucker is just too good a player to be, uh, you know, having the the struggles he's having and. And I don't know. I don't think I've ever watched a guy with more uh, uh, as more must see television than Jordan Alvarez. So uh-huh. it's going to be. Uh, I just don't think the Phillies have enough to get them. But I was wrong last year. Um, I'm notoriously bad at predicting things. So uh, <laughs> I predict. Let me put it this way, Rocky. I predicted the uh, Aggies would go 11 and one this year. Oh, just, just a bit outside on that one. <laughs> 
in, that's not that yeah. bad. Rock had the Longhorns going undefeated into the college championship. Oh, oh no, no! Oh man! Wow. He also has the Cowboys going to Super Bowl. I don't even get that. Yes, sir. No, well, you know, fourth best record in the NFL now. So yes, sir, Rudy. We them boys. Yeah, I have to get that every single Monday. Even when they lose, I still get the we them boys type thing. I don't, know, I don't get why. <laughs> Got them right where we want them. Right yeah. where we want them, Rudy. Uh, Rock, are you? Uh, do you have to sign off, man? Because I know you got an xfl thing to get to <laughs> no uh i do but i just want to you know i just wanted to just to say you know how about them aggies richard oh, here right? we go here just, we go and four. <laughs> this guy said you know having to pay jimbo all this money to be three and four in his fifth year i just love to see it i'm a ut fan and utsa fan ut is overrated every year but gig them hey. right hey, hey let me tell you let me tell you rock this is like kicking a mugging victim what you're doing right now oh, like, man. we aggies go into every year walking down the street cash just coming out of our pockets confident thinking everything's going to go well and about midway through the year you're bleeding in a ditch somewhere and, and people are stomping on your head it's just, I, it, I just i just know you you were just hiding away from your friends when y'all lost to Appalachian State. Oh, my he God. Just didn't, he didn't want to see anyone from the world. Oh, and just, I don't uh, blame you, man. I mean. Oh, dude, that was just not. <laughs> Rock, we want to. We want Richard to come back one day. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Never come no. back. Hey, Rudy, it can't get any worse. Trust me. It, it, that, was, that was a bad week. It was a bad week. I, I just, uh, and, and, and here's the thing, you know, you and I'm tired. I, I don't know about you you guys, but I'm tired of firing coaches all the time. I'm oh, hundred percent. I'm mm-hmm. just tired of it. You know, just, it, it's, and I know that the comparisons are in there and I'm making the same comparison. I mean, Kevin Sumlin was two games better at this stage than, mm-hmm. you know, than Jimbo Fisher, but what I really want Kevin Sumlin is more than Jimbo Fisher. I, I, I don't know <laughs> I mean, who are we going to go out and get that. I, I don't know. You know, I you don't want Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> I don't want Kevin Sumlin. Arizona didn't want Kevin Sumlin. I, I think, <laughs> I think this is a this this is a bad year, Rudy and Rock. It's just a it's just one of those years that just I, I don't know why it goes sour um, at A and M. Why we we build ourselves up like that and then and things just go. But I, I I appreciate and I and I love one thing is I appreciate and love the eternal optimism that we have in College Station. Uh, very loyal to the brand. I mean, we're very we drink that maroon Kool Aid every year and. I love my school. I love my alma mater. And I love that kind of stuff, the traditions and the, just the focus on, 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 on the aspiration to be something better than we are. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, I love that. We just, we talk a big game and hope a big game, you know, but rock to your point, man. I, but, but I will say, I mean, at least A&M goes in knowing, okay, the battered Aggie syndrome is going to kick in at some point. But uh, but University of Texas, I, I say it time and time again, and I think it's oh. important. I think it's important that UT is is good. I, I think that it's important mm-hmm. to the state that that program is a, is a good solid program. It is the most underwhelming program in the country, underachieving program, and I don't know. I don't know why. I have no idea why. You got Quinn Ewers, a five star, one of the top quarterbacks on the planet, and you've got more money than Zeus, you know, that I, I don't, I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like a program like that, that just can't get it done with all they've got facilities, mm-hmm. money, players, five stars, four stars losing to, I don't know, 
Texas. Preach, Richard. Preach, man. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if A&M and you At least A&M, today, we know we're going to crater at some point. We know it, you know? Yeah. It's like every – it's always like, no, no, we're we're back. If, if UT and A&M play today, who's winning, honestly? I think UT wins it. I do. That's what I love to hear. I love I to UT hear. Wins. I, but I will say A&M's defense has gotten pretty stout. They're they are. Pretty they're pretty good. Uh, they, uh, and I think, a, I think UT's got some huge holes in that defense. But I don't know if, I don't know if A&M has the offense to beat UT right now. But, you know, I, what do I know? I don't know. It might end up being a nine to six game or some ridiculous thing like that. I will say that takes a lot of balls because I, I'm a Tar Heel. I, I'm just bred and tired. The only, the only college I applied to outside, you know, I mean, the only college I applied to coming out of Central Catholic was North Carolina, and they they denied me before I could even mail the letter off <laughs> the application. They denied me. But getting that denied, like, you, well, you're not, you know, UNC material, I'm fine with that. But I would never, I could never give a compliment to any Duke Blue Devil out there for oh, any nice. reason, like, at all. So hearing you give a little bit of compliment to the Longhorns, it, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. I just... I, I compromise my my integrity. I <laughs> know <laughs> I really, Rudy. I tell you, I really feel like I mean it's important, and I would say that about A and M as well. It's important. Uh, God bless TCU. I mean, I'm glad they're the best team in in the state of Texas right now. But uh, University of Texas. I mean, Texas football, and I mean the state of Texas football. Uh, is in a is in a weird place. I mean, it's we we just should be a lot better. And I think I think UT. When I praise UT, I just think that they have a shorter uh, a shorter way to go to be to be something special in the Big Twelve. And I, I think it's I think it's special. I mean, I think I think it's important that UT is is a is a great program. Uh, I think it's it'd be it's it's important to my soul that that the Texas A and M is a great program. Uh, but I think UT's got the, the, the cachet and the caveats and, and all the different things that play into um, uh, being just, just having a resonance from left coast to right coast. Uh, if UT's good, the state of Texas gets the, gets the, the kudos for that. I, don't, I just, that's just how I feel. And I'm probably wrong. And I'm probably going to have all my Aggie buddies throw me out of the university, but <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about it. Well, Rock's got to Rock's got to go take care of Heinz Ward in the XFL thing. That's where he's head off. <laughs> yeah, he had to he had to throw the grenade at A and M and then run out. Yeah, the board. see how it goes. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't stick but, around to put out the fire. He just throws the grenade and leaves <laughs> me to put out the fire. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. but it was awesome talking with you, Richard. I hope we have you on again. You know, um, and, and for anyone listening, I told Richard it might make him feel old, but I'm gonna tell everyone again. I read the sports section as a kid, and. <laughs> Richard is one of the main reasons why I started writing sports. I would read his his articles, and I told him that. And it's just kind of crazy how it came full circle when I met Richard. And I was like, wait, I used to read your articles. And he called me, and I was like, there's no way this is Richard Oliver. <laughs> I was like, no way, man. And then even when I, I texted you, you know, I was like, you want to come on? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, how am I talking to Richard Oliver, man? Oh, come like, on, man. Come this guy on. one of the nicest guys ever. But um, to everyone that doesn't know Richard Oliver – one of the best genuine guys I ever man knows his sports, even though he, I, I like dogging him about him being an ID, you know, he's a good sport, real, real sports fanatic. And uh, y'all should listen to his, you know, his segments, man. I love the guy, man. I, we need yeah. to all hang out and get a beer sometime. Me, you and Rudy. 
Well, and yeah, we'll record that one too. That should get really creative <laughs> oh, after yeah. a couple of those. Oh yeah, the talk would be fantastic after a few of those. That's for that's for damn sure, right there. Lock, thank well, you for saying that, man. That was that's really kind of you. Of course, man. But I'm gonna bounce. I gotta go. You know, Heinz Ward's calling me right now. He's giving me the look. Yeah. You know, he he's. I told him I'm a cowboy, but I mean. It's yeah. all right, man. <laughs> Hines is a really good guy. He's been he's he's going to be a great ambassador for this for this city. Uh, and and boy, I tell you what, he's preaching the good word about San Antonio everywhere. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to leave you here with Rudy, man. Y'all have fun. Don't get into too much trouble, man. And uh, I hope I hope you mess with Rudy the whole time, man. <laughs> all right, Rock. Talk to you later. Thanks, man. Later. All right, that's The Rock. This is Sweep the League. We're talking to Richard Oliver. We're actually in our last segment here. Normally, this is a stat segment where he gives us a sweeper keep, but stats is out tonight. It's just me and Richard for this last segment. So I, I got to hit the biggest point that I wanted to hit with you because you covered San Antonio Spurs basketball. Yeah. And before you do, I mean, I, I heard you talking about heartbreak. No one knows heartbreak like me because I'm a – I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan and I've been an Atlanta Falcons fan wow. for ever. And people always like, they give me the exact same expression you did. Like, wow, really? I don't think I've ever met a Falcons fan. Well, I am the first for you, sir. And wow. I'm going to tell you why right. my, my dad was a Tommy Nobis fan. Yeah. So we went to Thomas Jefferson. My dad went to Fox tech, but I had family that went to Jefferson and, you know, grew up watching Nobis. So Mr. Falcon himself, who's not in the Hall of Fame, which is a damn shame. I still say he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. One day he'll get in. Um, but that's the reason why I'm a Falcon fan, because Tommy Nobis grew up with the guys like uh, Sean Jefferson, you know, Jeff George, all these teams, Man in Black, um, Dan Reeves, he's the first Super Bowl. I mean, I know heartbreak. So nobody, as I've said, nobody has ever felt heartbreak like I have, especially when you're up 28-3 at a Super Bowl and i wasn't going to bring that up my friend i, I was I, not even going to bring it up i bring it up all the time because if i don't somebody will and that's why i always bring that up but yeah no that's that's a little bit of history on the uh the heartbreaks that i've endured but speaking of heartbreaks this first season it it started with heartbreaks with meltdowns dejounte gone then you lose uh chip england it's it's like this season should have been you know just it should have been just garbage. Let's just flat out call it garbage. When I've been on other podcasts with uh, other guys, you know, Locked On Spurs podcast, uh, other Spurs podcasts that I've been on, I've I've said the same thing and I've echoed it. This is going to be a tough season. I didn't peg them for more than 22, 23 wins just by what I saw. And it wasn't a knock on the players. It's just talent always overcomes everything. And I didn't see the talent quite on this team, but three games into the season, sudden two and one is, and I've talked to Derek Gervin about this many times, and he kind of says it in a way that, you know, teams are overlooking this, this Spurs team. They're a lot better than what people are giving them credit for. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. As far as this Spurs teams go, is this something that is going to continue at the beginning of the year? Because their first 20 games is brutal. I mean, yeah. you were talking a horrible schedule for them. I, I pegged them at 2-18, and 18, so they got to lose the next 17 in a row for me to get anywhere <laughs> near that. Um, but this Spurs team, for you, expectation-wise, what are you, how are you feeling about that going into this season? Well, I'm with you. I, I really feel like the Spurs are not going to be a, a factor. Uh, I, I think everybody knows that. It's a little bit of fool's gold to beat uh, the Pacers and 76ers as those two teams exist today. Mm -hmm. 
they, they, you know, it's early and, and there's some injuries. There's some different things happening. There's certainly an evolution taking place in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, not the player he's going to be. All those different kind of things that play into that thing. But to your point, I, you know, I think the Spurs, as, as young as they are, they're going to be gritty. They're going to be one of those teams that gives teams problems on particular nights. But to your point about the schedule, I mean, obviously they, they got – that weird schedule with the three games against the Timberwolves coming up here in the next couple of weeks, or mm-hmm. actually next week and a half. Uh, you got Chicago, you've got the Clippers, you've got, you've got, you got some folks on that schedule that are going to, that are going to cause all kinds of ruckus for the Spurs. And it's going to be hard because there's still some growing pains going on. Um, I feel like, and, and you kind of saw that in the Pacers game, didn't we, when the Spurs were up by 20-something and then they just had to hang on by their lives at the end to win that ball game and hope that, you know, Jakob Pertl and the Hacker Pertl hit some free throws. I, I I feel like the Spurs are not going to win more than 23 games. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be surprised. And, uh, and, and my son and I are season ticket holders, and we've kind of – kind of steeled ourselves to the idea that we're going to be going to watch development. We're going to go and watch these guys try to become a better team in the long run and try to identify in ball games, those moments that kind of give you, give you hope for the future. Um, But, but you know what? I think they're, I think Derek Irvin's correct. I think Dee's corrected that they, they have the talent They've got the young, uh, they've got the young legs that can that can win on back to back nights like we saw the other night. Um, they've got the kind of uh, it, when when Devin Vassell is actually hitting shots like he has uh, the last you know two and a half quarters, uh, three three quarters that he's played. Um, I think that I think the Spurs could be a a pesky team, you know, and I mm-hmm. and I and I don't think that they're going to get blown out every night like they were in the in the opener against the Hornets. But I, I really feel like the Spurs, uh, and, and isn't it? It's just weird to be talking about this. But I, how much do they want to win? You know, how much do they? They're going to let the season play out the way it will. But I don't. Um, it, it's this weird dichotomy of, of of want the Spurs to win, but don't want the Spurs to win uh, because you want them to have the opportunity to get the uh, win Banyama and, and to do something really special uh, as we move forward by having the next uh, great name on the court for you. Mm-hmm. So I like this team. I, I think they're, I think they're, a, I, I think they're a, a likable team. I really like the players, but I agree with pop. And I think, and I think Rudy, you would say the same thing. You've got to have two or three superstars to win anything. You've just got to uh, yeah. in this league. Um, uh, just, just ask, just ask the Lakers uh, who can <laughs> two or three would used to be superstars. They they just don't have it going right now. But I I, I don't think the Spurs have that. And, and uh, but but man, I look at Vassell and I say this guy could be something special. I look at uh, Keldon Johnson and say this is going to be uh, Keldon's the the Sean Elliott of your team in the long run. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's guys who you could look at and identify and say they're going to be factors in the long run. But it's all in the long run. I just don't see it in the short run. Yeah, and you know, looking at the standings now, I mean, even if you go to the East Coast, I mean, you're just looking at teams like Charlotte in third, Cleveland in fourth. I mean, Washington six. These these teams don't have major superstars. I mean, you can call Lamelo Ball for Charlotte one, but he's out with injury. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I'm kind of liking this NBA season. Is it's kind of wide open this year. There really isn't a clear cut favorite because. 
we're not seeing teams dominate. I mean, you can say Milwaukee, but they've had a little bit of a rough path at 2-0. and mm-hmm. I mean, the only team that looks legitimately good, surprisingly, is the Utah Jazz with, you know, Laurie Markinen, uh, Jordan Clarkson, even Colin Sexton there. And I was kind of joking around with one of my buddies saying that Danny Ainge is a little pissed off and about ready to trade more people to make that team a loser so they can get into the Wimby sweepstakes. But you know, the one the one point I wanted to ask you for the Spurs before we head off here is the sweepstakes, you know, the whole quote unquote, thank you for Wemby. And you've got Scoot Henderson. You've got uh, Nolan Smith. You've got a lot of great prospects out in today's game. It's not like, you know, when you were covering it a long time and, you know, when I was growing up and you've had David Robinson and you've had all those guys where you had commitment. Because people can say, well, Tim Duncan was spur in and spur for life and all. But what people fail to realize is even Tim was about gone for a Mm -hmm. moment there. So I get now that the NBA is about marketing. You don't see these big guys, Kevin Durant or anybody, sticking around teams very long because it's what can this city, this organization do for me? So drafting a guy like Wemby, it's really no guarantee that he would stick around after maybe his sixth year with the Spurs. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. And I, and I don't know how you combat that. Um, we're not a big market team in that regard. Uh, maybe with the, the, you know, the growth of the Austin market um, and I'm not, I'm not throwing any menace out there regarding Austin. Cause I don't think that there's a whisper of a chance that, that ever happens, but I'm just saying just to you strengthen and broaden your, your, uh, your market uh, footprint uh, maybe you become a little bit different, and Austin has become a little more of a showcase, even on the on the the movie side of things. You know, just uh, just the entertainment side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you make a great point, and and it's it is and it's interesting. And Don Harris and I talk about this a lot. The idea that the NBA is controlled a lot by the agents these days. Yeah. These guys all know each other. They all their agents uh, kind of uh, move. They're the they're the guys behind the curtain uh, with the, pulling the strings. All those different kind of things are happening. So. The Spurs are in a really weird spot. And doesn't it doesn't it just kind of push home to all of us how special that stretch was that we had for 20-something years of 50-win yeah. seasons? And, and to your point, to have Tony, Tim, and Manu, and, and even Kawhi for a year or two, and we had uh, just the future in our hands, we thought. Um, but we just had these great players. And Sean Elliott talks about it, that, that when he talks to other players around the league or guys, that are, he, he always says, you will love San Antonio. You'll love San Antonio because uh, if it's your nature, uh, you could go to to uh, a restaurant and sit down and eat and no one's going to bug you. Mm-hmm. Everyone treats you like family here. It's just a culture here uh, that even the celebrity players, those kind of stuff, we don't we don't go. We just we just look over there and say, man, that, that guy's that guy's in my living room every night. You know, I love him. And I think uh, I think that that's the kind of thing you've got to get someone who kind of buys into that culture. But that said, we also have uh, there's going to be those players out there that we got to hope we get that want to win, that want to be a part of something special, that want to be in a system that uh, that has done some magical things. And uh, and there are those guys out there. I don't know if uh, if Wimby's one of them. I don't know if Scoot Henderson's one of them. Uh, But I know that I do have faith that the Spurs scout that. And part of the scouting is this guy's got tremendous talent, but he's a, is he a good fit for San Antonio, Texas? Will he be good in the community? Will he do all the different things we need him to do to be a, a spur? 
And that's what we love about the Spurs. And that's what we, we hope for when we, when we follow this team. Um, and I've got faith. I really do. I've got faith that there are those players out there that say, I want to be a part of that, not only a part of that kind of a system and that kind of a team, but I want to be a part of that community um, that, that loves the team and, and really uh, j- just down to the, to their very souls. Um, and so Believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm a Pollyanna about that stuff, Rudy, but I, that's how I believe. And I think those guys are out there. Well, one thing for sure is that you are the man in the community for San Antonio, Texas. And we don't <laughs> need Wimby or Scoot. We've got Richard Oliver. Richard, we we really appreciate you taking time with us here. We we definitely would love to have you back on another day. Um, like I said, we're going to get Hector on. So I, I told you I'd give a little bit of tidbit of Hector. Um, I don't really... I can't really go with sports wise because he played sports. He played football. He played basketball. I don't really remember how good he was because I failed in my classes. So I couldn't play sports. <laughs> I, I was one of those guys who loved sports, but didn't like the classroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But overall, I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, one he of the, is. like you mentioned, one of the nicest guys, he's always trying to help. He's texting me. If you ever need anything, you let me know. I'm like, well, I'd love to have the camera in front of me one day. I can, I can tie a tie now, so I can definitely get behind the camera. <laughs> yeah, let's um, do this. <laughs> but no, man, I, um, I really do appreciate you coming on sweep the league. We'd love to have you back. Cause you've got so many more stories. And I, me personally, I've, I've been lucky enough to interview, you know, Sean Elliott, Joy Taylor. I've been over lucky with a lot of people. And I will say this is definitely one of the best uh, interviews that I've ever done. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I love interviewing uh, local people because they get where I'm coming from. I make the Burger sure. Boy reference or I make the Handy Andy reference. And it's like, I know what you're talking about. So I definitely love it. I appreciate you coming on, Richard. Um, if you want to let everybody know where they can get a hold of you social media wise or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's follow me on Twitter, Richard C. Oliver, Richard C. Oliver. Some numbskull took Richard Oliver before I could get to it. So <laughs> had to put my middle initial in there. Um, uh, Facebook, Richard C. Oliver. Uh, I, I'd love to, to hear from folks. I, I just uh, it's, it's a real passion and I love San Antonio. I think the sports fans here are the most savvy, smart sports fans. And they love their sports and uh, they're passionate about it. So, and man, I'm just happy to be on with you. I've, I've sweep the league is one of those uh, things that I, I've heard about it. I've read about it. I've listened to it. Uh, and the fact that I could get on here and talk some sports with you guys uh, just, just made my week. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And we would love, like I said, love to have you back again for sure to talk more sports. And maybe we'll get the uh, the duo of you and Hector at the same time. And we'll just kind of sit back like uh, the old uh, Ali Foreman fight and let y'all duke it out <laughs> on air one night. <laughs> but, uh, Ali Foreman, okay. I'll He'll get a kick out of that. We'll have to figure out which one's which. Yeah, that or what? Central Catholic Holy Cross. He would probably understand that one a little bit more like that. Exactly. Um, but Richard, appreciate you coming on. So for Rocky Garza, who had to dip because Heinz Ward was bothering him, and you know I'm gonna have to talk to Heinz about that. For Candice Avila, Garcia, for Derek Irvin, Shamaya on the beats for stats himself, Rudy Campos. So we sweep the league again next Monday. We will see you soon.